Welcome to the rough and inaugural first episode of Doing Life Wrong. This is Danny Harmon. I'm your host. Today we're hosting a guy by the name of Cole Harmon. And uh, if you'll happen to notice, he shares my last name. Odd. Weird. I know. It's, uh, he just happened to show up at my house one day, and uh, here we are. Cole is such an interesting guy. Um, you don't hear it in this podcast. You don't have any context around him. But he is... 32 years old. He's a mechanical engineer. He did that young in life. Uh, he dropped being a mechanical engineer after doing it for only like two or three years. And it's not that he, that he lost the skill or anything, but he stopped working in the field. And instead he traveled the world, went to Cambodia and Laos and um, Thailand. And uh, during the, the COVID pandemic in 2020, um, he got stuck in Thailand and stayed there for a year and a half. And He's got all these stories of um, health issues and and girl issues and um, traveling issues, you know, all the things that happen. He's, he's such a great guy. And you can hear in this podcast how refined his thoughts are on these kinds of subjects and the kinds of subjects about how he should be doing life and how, um, like, what matters to him. Uh, so he's one of these people that uh, not only think deeply about it, can really like eloquently talk about it and, and get his point across. So I hope you really enjoy this podcast. He's one of my favorite people and I'm excited to introduce him to you all and to the rest of the world here. Um, hopefully we'll be doing more of a series discussing some of his other travel adventures and stories. Um, but for now, this is, this is, this is Cole. When you consider yourself and your life, Mm -hmm. What would you can what would it look like for you to be doing life wrong or have mm. done life wrong? Mm. Well, I I have a kind of like a thought experiment um, gut check that I have used in the past and that is essentially just to imagine myself on my deathbed, right? Mm-hmm. And like So if I was to do it right now, like if I was on my deathbed, maybe I find out I'm sick and I die, you know, next week, right? Or maybe I am imagining myself at 80, but like along this trajectory, you know, kind of like as I see it, right? Like with trying to be realistic, you know, about the direction I'm actually going and like, if I, I don't know, like, I have felt when doing that exercise, if I'm honest with myself, like, uh, re- like, shit, I would have regrets dying. Like, I never did this. I never reached for that. I never even tried to do this thing, mm-hmm. you know? And, um, and to die with those regrets, like, to have to face yourself, like, like, whose fault is that? That's your fault, you know? Like, you had a life... You had one life, you know, you do whatever you wanted and you didn't do that thing, you know, or like this or like whatever. So it's, it's to imagine answering to yourself at that point, you know, like just by imagining yourself there on your deathbed, um, that kind of like, you know, does different things at different times. Sometimes it kicks you in the butt. Sometimes, you know, it makes you feel sad. Like sometimes, uh, Like, when I was in the hospital and I was doing that, like, it was, like, shit, you know, there is a non-zero chance that I die here, and that would suck, because I never even tried to do this, you know, like, I never, which, uh, the one that came up for me there was, like, 
the idea of doing some kind of podcast or, or book, but like to get my ideas out there. Like I never, I've spent all my life, um, learning how the world works and like growing and trying to make myself richer so that one day I can do some version of like paint a masterpiece, right? Mm -hmm. Like based on my rich understanding of the world, mm -hmm. but I have never painted such a thing, right? Like I have, I have not created this kind of, uh, mark, you know, that like I feel proud of. So your opus is left out there? Well, like I would die essentially having been useless, yeah. you know? Yeah. Like that I, and I, and it just like hits the ego, you know, which is, it's not, you know, the thing is, is like, I would still have lived a pretty good life, you know, still have a lot to be grateful for, right? Like my higher self is still satisfied and happy, but like my lower self is kind of bummed here, you know, like I never even reached for it, you know? Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah. And this kind of motivated me to do some things. Um, yeah, but let me think what else. Um, <clears throat> I mean, yeah, I think, I think again to that, like there's the, I don't know if you've seen the Aziz Ansari, um, uh, master of nothing. But in the end of season one, he's got a little bit uh, quoting a Sylvia Plath poem about like a tree and all the fruit on the tree and each fruit, you know, like as, as a young girl, I was looking at the tree and each fruit was like a path I could take. I could be a ballerina. I could be a writer. I could marry a rich baron. I could travel to the Andes and to India and study Sanskrit. Um, but I'm paralyzed, you know, by fear, like, which, what will I choose? Like, how will I know? What if I choose the wrong thing? Mm -hmm. And then as I, uh, anguished over this decision, I watched the fruit on the tree, like wither and wither die. And, die. Yeah. and now there were no fruit for me. Right. Mm -hmm. And I hadn't picked any. Right. And so that's, uh, I think that would be another version of failing. Right. Like I, I, I definitely, resonate with that idea of um life being like a fruit tree with lots of fruit on it i think a fruit tree is a very valuable metaphor and you can basically make it fit to just about anything in life um <laughs> between like seeds roots trees fruit um branches leaves uh it's there's there's a lot it's a very powerful metaphor um but the, hmm. Where did we put your cups, dude? Yeah, I, I, I resonate with the idea of yes. having a lot of potentials yes, open to me. I could do A, B, C, X, Y, Z. Um, and you do because you're... But I, yeah, I think, I think a lot of people, I think a lot of people want... They, they look at like the at society's scripts and see you know get pick a career work you know save be smart be frugal die um and i i like picked mechanical engineering because i knew i was smart enough to do it but i also already knew the math 
but I also wanted to know how the world worked. But I also knew myself well enough to know that I was gonna get bored of any path, literally any, any apple I picked, I would be bored in three to four years, right? But and, you picked an apple nonetheless. Well, and, and at that point, I would want a different apple, right? Mm -hmm. Like my, my life is not, I don't want one that is, you know, where like I have only ever had one apple, right? Like I want to, I want an apple and I want, what's a blueberry taste like? Like how's, how about them strawberries? You know, like, mm -hmm. have you heard about these pineapples? You know, like they're completely different. They sound like apples. They're not, you know, and I, uh, that's just like, I would, I think I can, I don't have to be a master, you know, I, I, I much rather want to be like a jack of all trades. And mm -hmm. so like, I don't have to, you know, have a job where I make like 300 grand a year, I'd be perfectly happy, you know, around a hundred, right? Um, and I don't need to, I don't feel the need to like become an expert necessarily in any one thing when it's like against my nature to do so. And at my nature, I can just kind of coast th through life the way I want to, you know, and, and pick up different things and like and so, that turns your jobs into hobbies right mm -hmm. and that keeps you interested right it keeps you engaged mm -hmm. right like you're never going to be an expert but like you're always going to be enthusiastic right and so you don't eat your apples down to the core um or do you take a bite and put it in your pocket hmm i well let's see i don't I don't usually eat the apples down to the core. I want like Pareto principle. I want to eat the easiest 80% to eat with the 20% of effort. And then I want a different apple. And maybe that's looking for a different tree rather than to stay at the same tree eating easy apples, mm -hmm. right? It, it might be to, to look for a different tree. So as part of your answer to the question then to have done life wrong would be to not have grazed the mm. forest of possibility and instead stuck to one position and one well, place. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I think, again, to me, the mark of failure would be regret, right? It, it's not that I need a different, I need a variety of fruit. It's that if I want one, if I want a variety and a variety is available, um, that I should have that. And that if I put some artificial limit on myself where I stick to this tree because it's comfortable and because I know it, but really like I want something else, then I... Then that's a mark of personal failure? I mean... It's, it depends, because it, it depends it depends on the tree, you know, it depends what we're talking about. Trees are such powerful metaphors, we could be talking about anything. But um, the the feeling of, I mean, it's it's essential, it's a, it might not be a failure, it might be a sacrifice. Um, like a sacrifice, it, it could be valuable, it could be more valuable the, the stronger this feeling is and the more good that sacrifice does. Um, but, I think a lot of people impose artificial um, constraints on themselves and, you know, and, and a lot of times it's like through fear, 
right? Um, or some, you know, like personal psychology or something that like stops them from growing, right? Usually people's biggest enemy in that sense is themselves. And like to, to be my own enemy would be a failure. Now I'd like you to take, take that same question, but apply it externally. Okay. When you look at other people's lives mm -hmm. and you consider them to be failures, mm. is it the same criteria or is it different? <clears throat> um, no. I think I wouldn't, I wouldn't mark, I think I would have a stricter standard on myself for failure than judging externally because it's going to be based on values. I think it only makes sense to judge someone as a failure when they they fail at the game defined by their own values, mm. right? But um, so I think in looking outwardly at other people, and it might not be the perfect um, litmus test, but probably the easiest glance litmus test that would make sense is like are they miserable right and if somebody like is miserable you can assume that they've failed right like at doing whatever they want you know that, that would make them happy right like because they're they're not there now that might be their spouse just died and that's the day that you're looking at them mm -hmm. you know who, who knows um but somebody who's like like chronically miserable um I think chronically depressed. I think, I mean, a lot of people are nowadays, um, but I think that's a lot. It comes a lot from like poor nutrition and uh, like sedentary, you know, like lifestyle. It's just like we, we weren't evolved to sit as much as we do and we weren't evolved to eat this processed food, right? We're not supposed to have this much wheat in our diet and, um, or this much sugar and, or this much beer. And it's just, it's hard for a body, you know, to keep up, right? And sometimes that takes a mental angle, you know? Sometimes it's, you know, sometimes it's that, sometimes it's genetics or something you can't do anything about. But uh, I, I think there's a lot you can do in terms of like diet, nutrition, exercise, you know, and, and a lot of traps you can fall into in terms of, you know, just a sedentary, you know, having a desk job and sitting at a desk all day instead of doing a standing desk, right? Like the default is much more unhealthy than you have to be kind of weird to like go out and like change to a standing desk, you know? Um, and so it's just the default, you know, situation. But um, yeah. So would you paint me a picture of when you can visualize like somebody who's truly fucked it up in the world mm. somebody who's like their <clears throat> life is is jacked and that everything is you just you can't find any good or worth in in them what what do they look like what is what's and and i and i want you to paint it tangibly cool I mean, so like there's two versions, right? There's like the person who squandered all their potential and is miserable about it. And then there's the person who has very intelligently and rigorously and enthusiastically created a system that is doing harm to society. Um, and those are, you know, arguably bad in different ways. I think the second one is like much, much worse, right? Mm -hmm. um, so that's the, 
that would be like the real bad guy, you know, who I would condemn and stuff. Um, the person who just wonders their potential. I mean, it's essentially sad, but at the same time, you know, like you don't, I don't know. I don't think, I don't think you have to live up to all of your potential. You just have to like satisfy yourself. Um, and it can be like really daunting for a lot of people to even get started, which is where a lot of people lose that game as they just never start. Um, but it's, you know, it's not a really sad story. It's not like genocide, you know, it's just like here was a person and they were sad and they died, you know, like there's much sadder stories, mm -hmm. you know, it's not, but it's, still, it's not the happiest story. Like I would wish, as... I would wish, you know, something better for them, you know, but like the, that person is just like, uh, you know, essentially like I, I just wish I could like help them open their eyes to like see where they're limiting themselves and like what they could do instead or you know something like how to reframe the thing that looks daunting but actually doesn't have to be or um something like that but the it's it you know it's not really such a sad story you know either way worst case scenario it's not it's not too terrible um it's just i i don't want to be that guy Right. right. Like, for yourself. Those yeah, are, for those myself. But the, but the thing is, is like that it's really like living life, you, you don't realize you are that guy a lot of the time. It's only like, it's only like as you're dying, I think, that mm -hmm. it's maybe like a couple times throughout life. And then like as you're dying, that you really like notice and register and that it even affects you negatively in any way. For the most part, life is fine. It's not so bad. It's just to me, as I like drift off to death, I would like much rather feel like I did it, yeah. like nailed it, mm -hmm. you know, and and then I can and then I can die, right? And it, that's just like that's the goal. That's what what you want to aim for, right? And it's like going to be super specific to you, whoever you are, mm -hmm. right? I'm kind of fascinated. So from what I've heard so far, like you're a very open person to say that. You don't have any like strict rubric by which you're setting things up but it's a you're saying it's a personal thing to each their own and mm -hmm. and everybody has to make their choices and satisfy to themselves and mm -hmm. yet there's this one edge case mm -hmm. that's tickling me because you're saying that 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 there is an individual that you condemn mm -hmm. in spite of this open this open idea of of to each their own sort of sort of way there is there is a piece of condemnation sure so is there is there a line is there a rubric that you can judge strictly against mm. it's a it's a little it's a little wiggly a line would be too um too difficult it's uh i think for for me for the way i i view things it's, it's very hard to do like a, a proper definition of evil and that's essentially what we're trying to point to in avoid mm -hmm. but essentially we as a society our society will there's there there are certain people who are you know have asocial tendencies right like it might be uh 
based from schizophrenia or like uh, bipolar, right? Which personal feelings expressed outward or um, misunderstanding the world uh, because of hallucinations or or some um, you know altered brain chemistry, or you could have sociopaths where it's just uh, you know a lack of default empathy and um, and especially with these people the sociopaths um, and I think I might be a sociopath right so it's there's just people and you want some of them in society like they, they protect cavemen right like from the neighbors from the neighbors sociopaths and it's something like 10% of people are sociopaths but um, and they, they, in society, they'll rise to be CEOs a lot of the time, right? They're um, very charismatic. They learn the social rules they want, and they, they crave attention, especially narcissistic sociopaths. Um, but they have the problem that they don't... The, the feedback loop of the herd mentality, where most people have a default empathy where if they see someone suffering, they feel they're suffering and it happens as an automatic response with a sociopath. It's not an automatic response. Um, they can engage it if they choose to, but they don't have to choose to. And so if nobody ever teaches them and ingrains in them and builds in them this closed circuit, right, to engage empathy, then you could end up, you know, with little psychos who could, you know, build organizations and systems that are terrible for society, you know, that might be, and maybe it's like for their personal gain, maybe it's because they want to watch the world burn. Mm. Um, but but you could say it's objectively terrible. To yeah, it's, at some, at some point it's, you know, and that's the, you know, maybe you've got a sociopath who makes a, a corporation and they're a bank and they're hyper aggressive and they you know, have arguably questionable sales tactics or something, but they stay in the lines. And this is run by a CEO who's a sociopath, but they're staying in the lines. And I think that's fine. It's when the organization is um, like doing De like measurable and detrimental damage to the society that it should be supporting, right? Or um, or at least um, being neutral toward. Yeah, right. And and that systemic quality it multiplies the harm because it makes it a recurring harm. Right, which is why organizations, organizational negative systems are so much worse than a, a bad person or a person with squandered potential, mm -hmm. right? Um, systemic and repeated bad, it, it's just, it's that much worse, right? It's because it's, behavior. yeah. Uh, let me ask you, do the, do, the, do the lines that society draws that you said, for instance, that CEO decided to stay within, are mm -hmm. those lines worth it? Are they worthwhile? Are they accurate? Are they a metric by which we can use? Um, <clears throat> well, I mean, so you, like, you're asking, are laws valuable? Should we throw out all the laws and kill all the lawyers? 
I think we need them to some extent. Um, the question of are they, how well do they work should be open for debate, but it's going to vary country to country. Um, personally, I have the theory that our legal system could do with the revamp based on, because it's essentially based on the Magna Carta from like 1260, and it was like cutting edge at the time, but we know a lot more about the way our like neural structures work and our personal like human psychology and our, our models of the brain and crime and punishment and reward and behavioral you know systems is it's much more complex now i i think it would be a really worthy project for some country to kind of build a new law system from scratch but based on modern sciences understanding of the brain to really try to like use law and the punishments to dissuade um, criminal behavior and to rehabilitate people rather than, you know, putting them in places where nonviolent criminals have to join gangs to survive, you know, and, and then it perpetuates this, this system. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think we, we could do a lot better, but we're, I mean, we're also nailing a lot, right? A perfect system is impossible and the, the judges and the juries, you know, and, and being judged by your peers um, goes a long way, you know, um, but we don't have a perfect system, right? Um, and it's, I don't know, um, but I think... It, but you think judgment of peers is a worthwhile thing then? Well, it, it, society needs some function to, um, remove um, individuals who are like a danger and harm to the society like to, to themselves and others like you don't I don't want to get you know like 1984 style and like thought crimes and uh, but at some level right like you can't just have a guy going around like murdering people you have to there there needs to be some organization like hey there's a guy going around murdering people we're gonna go get him and lock him in a cage so he doesn't do that and maybe we're gonna kill him you know like based on what the judge says or what whatever the system is but at, at some point you need something um and and we're i think we're struggling a lot because because essentially we haven't because we're still on the Magna Carta system, um, instead of redesigning the law based on our existing understanding, we have an insufficient ability for our police and legal system to deal with mental health, and we know it, but we also are not building the system that is sufficient to deal with, with our mental health problems. And um, I think that's probably how you could It'd be a decent way to define the problem of like where we're at, right? Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, but it's not, I, I would say that like the judicial system, it shouldn't be about condemning, like at the core, you're just essentially protecting society from antisocial individuals, the antisocial behavior. Is it could exist in them for circumstances that are outside of their control, and that's a bummer. 
um, the government could overstep that boundary and start saying that people who don't agree with everything the government says are antisocial, that would be too far. Um, that would be way too far. But, um, you know, at some level, yeah, you, you've got to protect society from the, the violent people at the edges. Um, and yeah, I don't know. But Alan Watts has a thing on that too, that um, essentially police should only deal with violent crime, thefts, and traffic, and that everything else is a, a waste of the police time. Um, it squanders public resources and is essentially enforcing of moral codes mm -hmm. uh, that are arbitrary. That, essentially come from different religious traditions but shouldn't apply to everyone there shouldn't be one moral code stemming from religion that then gets applied to other people and in doing so in enforcing drugs and enforcing prostitution um laws the uh the law brings the police into a position of public disrespect because the public knows that smoking weed is not a big deal. But when the cop arrests the kid for smoking weed, now the cop is in a position of public disrespect. But the cop is just following the law, which is his job, mm -hmm. right? The law has brought him here. And so it's a bad law. The thing is we should get rid of the law. But the, the, and the problem is the law doesn't work that way. Once you put a law in place, the tendency is that the law is gonna stay there forever. And so we have these like archaic laws and they're they're not all good. It's a it's a decent system. It's probably the best system we've ever had, but it's, you know, you could do better at the yeah. same time. So you don't want to throw it all out, right, and start from scratch. But you really, I think you do, like, think of it of a tree, right? This shit's overgrown. There's a lot of weird branches here. We need to take some shears, right, and prune it up, right? Make it pretty again. Get rid of the stuff that doesn't make sense. Make room for the, you know, the new fruit and the and this new branch you know give it a chance this uh this component of adding you know scientific and and medical understanding of psychology and um, neural anatomy and grafting that onto the tree of law right and and giving it a chance to to grow into as much of a pillar as you know separation of uh judge jury and executioner right like so but yeah what is the purpose of a unit of life mm. I, I think it should be self-defined like what's the meaning of life it's up for the life to decide for itself right so then it becomes like a personal challenge and struggle and it essentially comes down to you get what you put into it right so if you bite off a, a big chunk of life and you manage to chew it all, you know, like good for you and you had a very worthy life and people are gonna be envious of that. And if you keep your ambition smaller and, um, you know, do smaller achievements um, that could be just as satisfying, just, just as good, um, I think somebody like Elon is maybe morally one of the best people because he 
sacrifices so much of like the fun time in his life to work on a systemic a systemically good right as opposed to systemically bad so just as systemic bad is bad because it multiplies every time the cycle repeats um systemic good is that much better because it multiplies every time the cycle repeats um so he's he's creating systemically good companies that are leading the world you know to clean energy and solar and automation and robots that could potentially like free us from labor and um you know all, all sorts of like internet global internet at anywhere in the world that i think can be really good for people in geopolitically uh repressed regions um an internet that the government can't turn off or censor um there he's he's crushing it is like not single-handedly is organizing large teams of people but they're like really taking the wheel of the giant ship that is human civilization and they're turning it you know like and slowly like changing the trajectory that the whole ship is on um in in a positive direction and so i think that's like the most worthy you know at the at the other end of the spectrum that's like as good as you could possibly conceive of doing so if you were to give advice to to the next generation of people that are coming up underneath you mm-hmm. my kids for example mm-hmm. what would be the what would be the thing that you would say to my kids to help them have their best be be their best selves or have the mm. most impact or what thing what advice would you give to them mm. for context everybody these kids are also related to him this is true um i mean jordan jordan peterson has a thing um where the fastest <clears throat> and best and most organic way to grow because so you grow the fastest right at the sweet spot where something is hard for you to do but it's not too hard that you can't do it it's it's the thing that you struggle with at your given ability and that's in struggling against that thing you'll grow the fastest it's the perfect challenge for you so if you take this idea combine it with curiosity and then essentially constantly follow your curiosity and refuse to accept that there are things that you can't understand Um, you are always building your knowledge base in the direction in which that it'll grow the fastest and because it's driven by your curiosity um, you'll care more and you'll retain it when you find the answers and so faster and you'll learn faster and farther than people who don't do it this way and so and then what you're building is a tree of knowledge and you want this it's kind of like a memory palace but it essentially has structure and it's like everything you know about the world but it only makes sense when it's all connected to itself right um so if you learn if you learn something new, you have to figure out where that fits on your memory, on your tree, right? It doesn't, it, it can't just float out in space 
or you'll forget it. You have to, it has to land somewhere on the tree of everything you know. Um, and if you learn that way, I mean, you're, you're just gonna be, uh, you're gonna know a lot. Um, the other thing, if your kids, I would say definitely do sports and get really, um, get really in touch and in tune with your body, especially as kids, especially as teenagers, that um, is a great habit and it sets you up very well in life. Um, I, I had this idea that um, essentially, no matter what you're doing, no matter what is your dream or your goal in life, um, you wanna make sure that your mind, body, and spirit are aligned and essentially like all like trained and honed and sharp um so you don't want to focus on your mind and ignore your body you don't want to focus on your body and ignore your mind you if you ignore the spirit the the things that really drive you and, and animate you and get you excited right and make life worth living it doesn't matter if you're the strongest and smartest person you're not going to know how to make yourself happy so you need a combination of all three of these things mind body spirit and when you combine that with this tree of knowledge that you build for yourself you'll do whatever you want and crush it it's, right so something like that it's amazing thanks thank you mm -hmm. i hope you enjoyed that conversation with cole everybody i had so much fun with it uh, we talked a lot more that was not on the microphone and things that I wish we could have in here. Um, we'll, we'll catch them eventually, but uh, for now, that was just the long, unedited version. Um, hopefully in the future, this episode will be edited and, and spliced and have proper intros and all of that jazz. Um, that's the intention. Most of these shows, most of these episodes should be pretty concise and pretty and pretty edited, so... Um, for those that like this, um, well, hold on to this one because it'll probably be dropped soon and replaced with something newer and fresher. So if you're still hearing this, say congratulations. We were one of the select few. Thank you for joining this show and, and listening to, to us and being a part of thinking about your life, of thinking about what you want, what you need. Um, so thank you for that. Thank you for, for being here. Thank you for... Um, having a care and please go out and do your life wrong all day every day <laughs>